Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Inside the Firm. I am one of your hosts, Al Gore. Uh, your other host, Lance Psycho, is at home right now. We It's during a break, basically, right in between Christmas and New Year. Um, so on this episode, we have a great interview with Devin Tilly. Devin Tilly has a podcast, uh, The Art of Construction. He also owns a uh, window uh, rep firm, Mountain View Windows and Doors in Denver and in Grand Junction. Had a great conversation with him. So uh, I, I know and I, and I hope you'll like it. So that's coming up. But before we go to that, it's coming around the New Year's. So I want to talk just briefly about New Year's re- resolutions and not what they actually are, but how to actually do them. So starting in Thanksgiving, I tested a strategy that did not work out. It half worked out. Um, and I'm going to continue. I'm going to modify it, which I ha- already have, and then continue it for the rest of the year. Now, what I thought would work out was wake up early, which I kind of do anyways, um, and then set alarms, like a bunch of alarms, like 45 minutes later, do this, half hour later, do this, 45 minutes later, do that. And it kind of worked, meaning instead of doing four or five things in the morning, I only did one. But waking up and then having an alarm of like when to leave, when to arrive at work, when to start work, um, those three alarms helped. It, breaking up even more than that, uh, I just kind of blew past them. So I would recommend um, whatever your goal is, if it's to reduce it, to re- reduce it to one or two things that you could possibly do in the morning and then do those before anything else and then have an alarm and a time to do those things. Because when I did just do one thing in the morning or two things in the morning, what happened and what was crazy, I even had an alarm, you know, when to stop work so that, uh, and then stop work to plan for the next day. And then I had when to leave work. And what was crazy and what was cool is that I was actually getting work done on time and ready to go when my alarms came. So like knowing that those alarms, those physical alarms actually were going to go off, you know, at 5.15 or, you know, whenever it was. So it organized uh, my day and my in my brain so that I could actually accomplish what I wanted to um, and then do it in the time that I wanted to. Uh, a second thing too, some people have uh, uh, resolutions to get fit, lose weight, uh, things like that. If you do, just one lesson that, I, that I've learned is get rid of the gimmicks. I've, I've, I've tried the gimmicks. Uh, a couple years ago, I lost 20 pounds, which I wasn't ever too big overweight. But, you know, I'd try, you know, got a membership to the gym, ate the protein bars, did, you know, all the crazy things, took cold showers. And it turned out that going back to the basics, literally doing what the military does, 
was the thing that lost weight easily, easily. So what I did was I ran two times a day, two, sorry, two times a week. That was it. Two times a week on Tuesday, I would do a shorter run, a jog about two miles. And then on Sunday, I, and I still do this, I do a longer one, which is about 10 K anywhere between five and a half and seven and a half miles. Um, just very, very easy, very slow listen to a book on tape, stop and write down notes whenever I want to on my phone. Um, so I did that. I did push-ups. And the cool thing, it, it, you've probably heard in this podcast that I do a lot of push-ups on Friday. And I started with uh, one set of 50. And then I waited an hour. And then I do another set of 50. And then wait an hour and do another set of 50. And then wait an hour and then do another set of 50. You get the pattern. And what I learned from that is that if you can do something once, you can probably wait an hour and do it again. And I had to, it wasn't, it was extremely hard in the beginning. And then I'd have to redo my form because my form wasn't the best. So like I thought that'd get easy, but then I'd do better form and then it'd get harder and then I'd get sick. So then I'd go down to like 35 the next week. And then I'd build back up to 50 and then I'd get up to 65, 75. And then I'd realize my form is getting bad. So I'd go back to do perfect, like all the way down to the ground, all the way up. But anyways, it's been really, really helpful. I really enjoyed it. And the third thing that I did um, was eat a salad on Tuesdays and Thursdays for lunch. The rest of my uh, diet, if you want to call that, is all over the board it is not healthy it consists mainly of taco salad uh, which is very light on salad and very heavy on chips and salsa and delicious meat and avocados and just really really good stuff guac you know if i don't want the chopped up avocados so honestly it was wasn't that hard and i've lost that the 20 pounds from you know one 90 to 170 uh gain some back just because of christmas eating a lot of sweets probably need to need to knock that out but all the gimmicks didn't really work all you know weightlifting all that it was running that was probably the main one you know you could probably just take that and that would be the one to do uh eating salads and and doing push-ups uh last thing this is just general, uh, I don't know if I'd call it advice, but use the tools around you. And there's three tools I want to talk about. You've probably heard about them before. So la- yes, no, two days ago, I had a project that I was going to show to, to a person and it was all done in Revit and I wanted it to look nice. So what did I do? I used Enscape. Enscape for Revit, Enscape3D.com is where you get it. And basically, I was able to plug in my Revit uh, file. There's just a little uh, on your tab of plugins. I published it to Enscape, changed some materials around, uh, took some image, some rendered some images, which took no time whatsoever. And I had about five or six rendered images in, you know, just a half hour of, of messing with textures and playing around. And if you remember back in the day, Five or six images. I remember we'd only try to get three images. One 
X from the front, one from the back, and one interior because you'd hit render and it would take four hours. <laughs> Not the case anymore. So if you haven't tried Enscape, E-N-S-C-A-P-E, 3D.com, go there, free trial. There's no excuse. If you're using Revit or SketchUp, um, go ahead and give it a try. I, I think it plugs into some other things too. Uh, you'll have to You'll have to check, but use that. Also check out bimsmith.com, bimsmith.com. Uh, basically, it has a whole bunch of awesome components for you. It has manufactured information. It's not just a random component that someone made in their basement. It's a component by a manufacturer that you could buy, get the spec from, that has probably been through some sort of testing. Um, so you know that you're getting something that when you supply it to the customers, it's actually real. It's not nonsense. It's the correct dimensions. Dimensions are huge. Tolerances are huge. So get the right stuff for your model. Um, and it also has a product called Forge, which is a wall and roof and ceiling builder, which is absolutely awesome. So go check that out. So without further ado, I hope you guys have a uh, great New Year's. I hope you make some goals and that you tie those down to time and also fundamentals. And I hope it works out well for you. And here is Devin Tilly. And I think we'll just end the podcast after that. So I uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas uh, and a ha happy holidays and a good New Year's. Bye for now. I'm here with Devin Tilly of uh, The Art of Construction, which is a podcast, but I feel like it's more than that, and Mountain View Windows and Doors. Let's just jump in. You said you were just listening to our podcast inside the firm as you came up. Right. right. What was your take? What were you listening to? You had a thought. Yeah. Well, I, I just walked in, had a wonderful drive up from Denver to Logmont here, and it was so ironic that uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a student of the Inside the Firm podcast, and I was pulling in, and and right when I pull in, it was like Alex is what. So I think Lance asked you the question or something how it was teed up, and you're like, "Well, I don't really like the word art," and I'm like. I'm going to walk in and tell him that and we go from there. <laughs> so it, we had a little, little pre-discussion. Uh, my stick with it is that it, it's almost seemed like art is higher than construction or architecture. You come from construction. I come from architecture. Well they, said. They, well they, said. Yeah. they intermix. And what I try to get across inarticulately is that what you do, adva the advanced puzzle making that architects do, right? and construction people do is a high enough art itself. You don't need to call someone else in or call yourself something else to give yourself your ego a boost when your ego should be boosted because the, the advance, and you know this, how buildings go together, that is so advanced. And to make that beautiful and actually stand too, congratulations. <laughs> right, right. And, th and that's really like the journey I've went on. Like it, I called my podcast, the art of construction, because you can't have one without the other. And I've lived in this world. I've, you know, got a marketing degree in college and went to the uh, corporate side of supply chain. And I found it, it was always one against the other. And I was like, it doesn't need to be that way. So above the art of construction is, is technology and people. And you can never lose touch of the handshake because that's what actually makes the art come to life. Yeah. Uh, is really what make, makes me tick and why I started a podcast four and a half years ago before podcasting was cool. And, and that's what it's, it's like, it's, it's my, it's my juice. It's my drug, like meeting these people that are just so amazing that architects and architects. I, 
I, you don't know what you don't know. And until I did some of my own projects and really got really into the plans to learn the science behind what they have to do, that just gets me so jazzed. And that's kind of where we're going now with the technology of, it's amazing out there. I've been listening to your podcast on, you and I both just jumped in with both feet, not really knowing yeah. what we're doing with Autodesk University. But there's a huge need for, for connecting the dots in this construction world that it's rapidly changing. And we, we kind of joke about on my podcast about crusty contractor that the resistance to change, well, you have to change now because you can't just use hand drawing plans and you can't just always do it this way anymore because technology's passed all that up. Yeah. So you started four years ago in the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I want to put a pin in technology plus people because I want to explore that more, but I want okay. to go back to, I was just at Autodesk university. I was at a booth bim smith which is we're kind of partnering together on, on on some stuff but i was just chatting to the guys and i think i saw you walking and i yelled De devin what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> it was weird seeing you there but exciting seeing you there because the, i think the week before we were just talking about revit and then right. now you're at autodesk university autodesk is the company that makes all the software for design everything from cars to to buildings to widgets so why did you decide to go and what did you get from that yeah so the the, the and you way, can say nothing you could say it was no terrible. i i'll probably say too much and i have a habit of that and i'm really trying to be precise with my words if there's one thing i've learned is the tasmanian devon can go off and off and you have to make sure that you get the point across and that's one of the thing my amazing coaches on my platform helped me with but the, you, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't put yourself in your customer's shoes or where you think the industry is going, it's hard to, it's hard to talk the talk without walking the walk. Uh, and so I really believe technology is, t is changing the art of construction. So I'm learning how. So we're, we're also working with Ben at Bim Smith and these other companies, and we're finding the right partners where we're going to be doing a deep dive series and that was the big impetus of going there. I actually signed up. I'm doing your class on the Revit rocket ship. So I'm just watching all these videos and just digesting this stuff. And I'm not digesting it to say I'm going to go be a, a, a Revit monkey I've heard or a, a, a BIM manager as I've heard all these new jobs. My, what I want to do is know enough about these different pieces to connect the dots. Because I truly believe we need more resources for that because there's this huge educational curve that you don't know what you don't know. So I'm trying to know enough to be dangerous and tell that message from, I'm trying to the KISS model of a third grade level of saying someone who hasn't ever used any of this stuff could Liz and take what is building informational modeling and how does it fit into lasers and robots and Revit and the different things that connect the dots, what I call the art to execute in construction. Yeah. So when you're looking at technology, you're looking at Revit and, and BIM, BIM uh, as a broader set. What other technologies, this is going to be a two-parter. So what other technologies are you looking at or is it just mainly BIM? So I'm going to tee this up to kind of uh, maybe say a little bit about from the global perspective of why I'm doing what I'm doing and how I'm connecting the dots with my companies and how it can, I truly give and be the test lab. So globally, I have my megaphone, the art of construction, and that's every other week we have a global and timeless fireside chat, like I'm honored to be on your show here today.
But then what we're going to do on the opposite week is a deep dive series where we connect and it's really digging deep. And I think we need to do some more of those conversations than kind of just run across the top. But how to do that is that I have a, a regional brand. I own a company that was started in 2006. I bought in 2012 called Mountain View Window and Door. And windows and doors are one thing that in my corporate days on the supply chain, one of my mentors, and I've just met, so, I have, I've just been so blessed to have so many awesome mentors um, in my little 15 year window of doing this. And he's like, Devin, there's two things that'll make or break a construction project. And this is, you know, going on 15 years ago. Is it's either the foundation or the windows and doors. And I said, tell me more. It's like, if you don't have the right foundation, it's, it, you're going to fight it the whole way. And if you don't have the windows and doors right, it's that pendulum where you seal everything in and everything just goes haywire. So you have to really have the business behind those two things. And I'm like, well, that, get, that, that makes me jump out of bed, but not foundations. So that's where I went into windows and doors. And, I've, and so I bought this company I've been building, and windows and doors in the contemporary glass house movement have become more and more critical. But yet it's still done like it's always been done. And you can't do that when you're talking the glass house anymore. So, uh, so I'm going there to say, how do I take all these amazing companies and walls and work smarter, not harder, that I'm calling Tools 2.0 in my, in my regional? And then locally, I'm flipping everything upside down of what I've always done is I go and what, what everyone else does, I try to do the opposite. And yeah. that's how I really think about that. And it, that's easier said than done. But all the way back to the beginning in my corporate days working, we had, I had four states and we had a door shop and a distribution center. And my job was to take the corporate program, whether it's a new vinyl window that they have a software. So instead of faxing in your orders, I would come in and try to train you on how to use this software. And I got to do it at 28 lumber yards from Farmington, New Mexico, up to Laramie, Wyoming, and all of Colorado in between. So those are very different markets. So I spent four years trying to train these guys that have always done it this way. And I finally just said, I, I don't fit. And I started over, but it was a good lesson for me to figure out how it was done to then kind of do it my own way, if you will. So I went to work for a couple other dealers and then bought out a dealer. And so I've always been in the supply chain, specifically to windows and doors that I think are really a critical part because they're, they're built in furniture, they're structural, you see through them. So there's a lot of, of, construction architectural detail in that so then i've taken the flip it upside down as your traditional showroom or uh, design center or I've, I've taken that and then i started doing all this research on co-working because my job is all about handshakes connecting the architect to the designer to the builder and so now we're, we're calling those experience centers so we just opened one in grand junction so we have we book in the state with two of them and it's taking co-working in the design center and the showroom and sh putting them all together in a space that the anchor tenant is Mountain View and Known Door. And then now with Art of Construction, we're actually bringing in different people in the, uh, using the Art of Construction voice and brand to actually be the test lab, to take products and test them, but actually like really use them in a legitimate thing because I want to turn this stuff from a video game into a business, and who's going to do that? Have you... Um you saw a lot of booths. Did you see Enscape and some of the other 3D plugins? Yep, yep, yep. I'm wondering, just a concept. Just I'm throwing it at you. Yeah. You don't even need a reaction because I have some other things I want to talk about too. 
you talked about a showroom and doing something new. So your show, I've been in your showroom. It's a great showroom where you, you have the doors and windows yeah. and all that stuff. And we're chain, we're redoing the whole thing again. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing that sometimes the architects can't get the client to pay off on is renderings. And renderings are expensive. But there's new things like Enscape that are coming along where basically you take Revit and you hit a button and it goes into Enscape and it throws it shows real materials and, and everything. What if you were the guy that, let's say you are going into BIM, you could show them their actual windows and doors. You could have the actual yeah. windows and doors yeah. in 3D view. So you're, you're, that showroom concept is at a next level. And that's the test lab I'm creating. And that's why I appreciate you guys setting up. We did a, a virtual meeting where and you were kind of like, Devin, why would you want to learn how Revit? Like, I'm, I don't want to learn to be day and I want to learn how I can take Revit and take a window manufacturer and us and put that into there in our experience center or test lab to actually begin with the end in mind meaning the the decision makers and we call it the golden triangle of spec from the architect decided through the contractor slash designer hopefully they're more of a project designer and then the decision maker which is changing rapidly of you know the briefcase builder the developer the design build firms the you know the, the internet has changed the savvy buyer and, and how that critical path is done. So some of the companies that I saw there, that uh, was a company called Igloo. And so they basically just took, and it's a 360 sphere, because the big thing that I learned, I met with uh, head of innovation for DeWalt, and he's like, well, we're gonna be a connectivity company. I'm like, so he tells a story about, it's not about drills and saws, it's about Wi-Fi in the mechanical room, but yet having codes on their Wi-Fi now if Charlie takes the drill off the job site they know where it went Whoa. so all, that's the business where I'm there uh, Strucksoft is the software with Howlick is taking steel and in t two days they built replicated yep. a hospital and so I'm looking at that saying well maybe the art of construction would should work with a company like Mountain View and say we'll supply the whole wall system of this glass house instead of trying to tie it into a rough opening that has all these so that's Another reason to answer your question of why I went there is truly to connect these dots and say how there's so many amazing things out there. How do you put them together? Um, I want to echo what you said about foundations and windows because over, I, I don't know how many projects I've been a part of, but we can say above 200, right? That I've physically drawn, designed, seen, or, or built. Um, foundations will break your project if done wrong. They will absolutely be a nightmare. Windows can make your project if done right. And that's the connection between those two systems is right. that they're so fundamental in the foundations and then the end result. Because you can have, I, I wouldn't say bad design, but let's say you can't afford the nicest finishes for your countertops, for your walls and all that. But if your windows are placed well and are nice, they make the space great. Um, so whatever you, I forgot who you heard that from, but just from experience, I would right. just echo, you know, his insight right. and, and boiling it down to those points. And that's the thing is I'd say the same thing. I'm, you know, now having, we get to see so many amazing plans and come through our, so that's my job now is to connecting our projects together for Mountain View as the, I get to go to all these amazing job sites. We really focus on those luxury projects and it's totally true. Uh, but you got to listen to that when you don't know and, and and make critical moves down your path and working for others and being guided by others is, is key lessons in our field, especially if I like how you talked about the foundations and windows. I said, well, foundations are not fun, so I'm going to really focus on the window and door category. But it, 
It could be the best, most amazing window and door manufacturer designed perfectly by the architect. But if the person putting it in doesn't know it, it's all ruined again. Yeah. So it's like it's back to this. How do you make the stuff that's quote unquote not sexy part of construction? That's truly where the money dollars and business is at. So you have to find a way to say, let's make installing windows and doors and foundations sexy but you still get to be part of these projects because you can have really good thriving business from that because we're so short on those the, the the muscles to do the work. So yeah, Art of Construction is also working on Tools 2.0 is what we're calling it, where it's just like working smarter, not harder, like trying to utilize technology and tools and robots and lasers to not be just driving to the job site and put it in your three ring binder. And, you know, how do you move that needle to be more efficient? Yeah. So I want to ask you a question because I know that you're deep into these maybe two areas. Um, first, let's set up everyone who has a business or is doing something is working and learning as they go. But if they want to, let's say a force multiplier, they can do it in a couple different ways, training or, or mentoring, right? or technology. Now, my question to you, since you've been doing this is how do you balance that? Meaning you, I could read a book a week, not really a book a month (laughs) and have 12 books and they have 12 systems, right? And they could all have acronyms and, and all that. And they're all great, but you know, 12 books times, you know, let's say there's an acronym in each and each is six letters can get crazy. Uh, the same thing with technology. You can use this program, this uh, Revit, Enscape, blah, 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 you know, Bim Smith, all, all, all these guys. How do you boil down? Because you already had trouble with this at, at your previous job to finding what's constructive because yep. that's the real linchpin there. Yep. So the to all the way down the beginning is for, for me, if I put it down into one sentence is like, know what, know what makes you tick and get help from others to help you just thrive with that. And so the before, when I say it, you know, I heard on your podcast how you're doing Audible at two times speed. I, yeah. My mind doesn't work fast enough for that, so I'm slower. But I, I'm in a spot now where I always said I want to elevate and delegate to where I can work on the business and have people in the business because that's where I that's where I love is to I love changing out and going and being the visionary for my companies. But you can't just be the visionary right off bat because you have to have systems and doers to make it all work. So the first system was Go Ask Devin, and I was the system. So I learned how to do that, and then I just kept picking that apart. So to be constructive and make money for you and the company and everybody around you, you have to figure out what lifestyle and what, what you really want. Because if, if your mind and your passions are aligned, all that other stuff will come. And I see that when I was see you and when I see you in Lance, it's that like I listen to the podcast and your passions, how it went from your one chair to your two chairs to now with your development, it's like you, you, you found the passions and, and it's in the same way in same field, but done totally different than how you worked for others. I was the same way. I'm yep. doing similar things. It was just not the right fit for me. And I see so many people that just keep trying to beat a dead horse, for a lack of a better term. It's like just step outside and really analyze yourself. Look yourself in the mirror is key, and then the rest will go. Yeah. So, so this podcast is called Inside the Firm, where most of the time we are talking about our firm. Um, but I want to talk about your firm. I know, and it's very evident, that, that you have this vision, this passion, and you're trying to bring everything together. So that's, that's one area that people who are looking 
to start firms are very interested in. But then also there's the, the nitty gritty. And you have a number of uh, employees, associates, I, I, whatever term you call them. Right. Do you have, could you reveal the uh, onion, peel back the layer of your management system of, of them? And, and this is what I mean by the nitty gritty is, do you have, you know, okay, you have a bunch of projects coming in. Those get assigned to people. Do people have a workload? Do they have to see how busy they are for a project? What their success rate is? What, you know, like all that kind of management thing that, that I think is actually hard because a lot of people, they start off by the seat of their pants. They grab some technology here and I don't know if it's all put together yet. And I don't know if it's all put together for you. It might be a work in progress, but could you talk about yeah. that? I think you're kind of hitting on the the systems that the analytics are driven, but to your management team is kind of what you're hitting. Is that kind of the vein that you're talking about yep. there? Yeah, I'd start by you don't know what you don't know. So and you, and to, sorry, just to clarify, yeah. is uh, you're giving people tools, but how how do you know if are those being effective? Are those working? Yeah. Are you hitting your revenues? Are you sharing that with you know your employees right, right. stuff like that? So I could talk a lot about the different things I've tried and what has worked and what hasn't worked, but I can tell you what has truly worked is when we actually, you have to think big and then you got to zoom in. It's like, it's like the art of construction is seeing this beautiful project come together, but then my window and door company, you got to be able to zoom all the way in and understand that corner detail of all the things that happen. It's the same with business. And I find that uh, the, the construction industry, you know, the contractor will go buy that new truck or the architect will get all the new latest computer and all the gadgets that they have to have, but they don't invest in coaching and strategy and business to run a business. So you have to decide, do you want to run a business or do you want to run a hobby? Do you want to work for yourself or work for somebody else? I want to run a business and that's, uh, and then there's other things that I start as a visionary that are not true businesses yet. They're hobbies because they don't make money. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the people side of it is, is that elevate and delegate. And then you have to have analytics and data that match that up, and it's expensive to do that. So you have to decide on where you want to grow with this thing. And that's that thing back at the beginning when someone's like, well, Devin, you got to really set up a budget. I was like, ah, my budget is I'll just go sell more. Well, that's, that's BS. <laughs> like you actually have to have a real budget, whether you're a numbers guy or not. And I'm not a numbers guy, so I went and got a numbers guy so that I can be the business development relationship guy. So you have to find what you're good at and what you're not good at is where I keep going back to that. But then, um, so we share the numbers, but we used to share too much and it created chaos. The more you grow, the more you gotta be smart about how you do that. So we rolled up numbers that used to be monthly. It was too much for my team. Now it's quarterly. Uh, we used to have a weekly all hands on deck meeting, but that was too much when you grew to too many employees. So what I'm getting at is it's all staged and it's strategical growth. But uh, number one is get the right help, know where you want to go and run your business in quarters. Don't try to do it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you look at it, we're going into the year end. If you say it's all of 2019, you're not going to be productive because it's too much and you end up just filling in the blanks. So fourth quarter's ours. That's where you got to drive it home. That's where we're at right now. But if you look at quarters, it's going to be much stronger. Um, what numbers did you peel back or was that too much? Yeah, so obviously top lines, so you can do uh, budgets a lot of different ways. We uh, do a hybrid approach. First off, we have our sales team that we put, a, you know, the, the old adage of nothing happens till you sell something. So we start by our, we call them business directors of what the business director per location, their trusted advisors are going to sell. 
And we're really big on not looking at the, I call it the 2% paradigm shift in corporate. They, they just look at it and tweak the dots. That's why this is coming in. And once the people the, that are all ready to retire fall off, it's going to be this big paradigm shift. So we, we, I look at last year, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm looking in the, the front. I'm not looking at that little rearview mirror. I'm looking at the front, and it starts by what your numbers are going to say from your sales, and then how much the sales, what's it going to cost to get you those sales. And that sounds pretty basic, but it, it, people lose touch of those, those metrics. So how much are you going to sell, what's it going to cost, and how much are you going to have at the end of the day? And maybe next year you're going to say, hey, nothing at the end of the day because you're going to invest into an experience center that I talked about or in this new person. Or you better say, what, do you want to sell this business? That's the other big thing is do you, want to, do you want to have this business to hold forever or do you want to sell the business? And I'm big on you know, the E-Myth Revisited and now we've uh, adopted the Entrepreneurial Operating System is setting it up to if it ever were to be sale because you got if you, what are you building this for, you know? So. Yeah. I don't, did that answer your question? I, it's a lot of veins to go there to say, what do you track? I track sales, and, I, and it's per job that it's profitable. And, they, and my, my people get paid when we get paid, and it's profitable. That's really how we run the business. And then you, quarterly, you review that with everyone? Well, it's, or, we, uh, we've worked really hard on having live data, that the marathon part is running nonstop. But we once a quarter sit down and uh, look at our key – KPIs, how we're doing quarter after quarter. So yep. there's the CFO presentation, there's the marketing presentation, there's what we call my integrator who runs all the day-to-day -day business, and then there's me, the visionary, saying about how I went to Autodesk University and all yeah. these, you know, I'm looking out three years. What is that live data? And is that just to you and maybe your, let's call it C-suite, you know, upper, or is it, hey, everyone can see, oh, this project went through, the, you yeah. know, it, it, it depends on the scale of the company, and I talk too much, and it and uh, I call that the Seagull CFO or Seagull CEO that's going yeah. around shitting on everybody. If you have strategic management in place, but if you don't, if you're the if you're everything, then you got to let everybody know. But it's be, it, when you put something in the middle, and that's what the entrepreneur operating system would guide you to say. It's all about your integrator, and the integrator is who makes all the decisions. So I have two-hour meetings weekly with my integrators and tell them everything about what I'm doing and they disseminate that to their level 10 leadership team that then they go to their teams and it's all filtering up and down to get the right communication to the right person. Awesome. Cool, cool. Um, so you started your podcast four years ago. Right. What, what has changed or evolved in the podcast or not? And then what has changed or evolved in your business because of the podcast. And I feel like that second one's a big one and maybe we already yeah. kind of talked about it. Yeah, so uh, for the first two years, I I would say I, I run a podcast yard of construction and I found after I started saying that, most people didn't even know what a podcast was. So I flip it upside down and say, hey, do you listen to podcasts? And it, be, and it was like, why did I do that? It's like, so very, few, when you actually get to the average Joe or Josette, they don't, they don't know, they don't, like, when I speak window and door, we go, because that's, we just think everybody does. When we speak podcasts, because that's what you do. Yeah. But the other side of the table doesn't. So I, I spent a lot of time educating people about what a podcast was for the first couple of years, and then hopefully they would listen, and then it would grow. And that's why I started is because I started listening to a couple, but there just wasn't enough 
of them out there. That's why I started it. Um, and it was started with the logo of my window and door company, but we didn't talk about windows and doors. We talked for the whole time I bootstrapped this. There's no sponsor. It's, it's literally whoever I'm talking to, that's what it's for. And then the whole thing, I call it my art of construction tribe. And the whole thing was about building an audience that all has each other back that now we're putting them on art of construction back to connect the dots is where we're at now. Yeah. Um, another two-parter, what are you excited about in your business? that you're doing now have just, you know, implemented and what are you excited about that you might do in the future? And it might be so, so far in the future that you haven't even like formally discussed it. It's just an idea, sort of a dream that you think you could reach or go to. Yes. So what I'm so excited about is the experience center. So we just, in June, we opened junction station and we're going, getting all the plans put together now, but it's taking longer for Denver station, which is going to be in my location here in Denver is that we're really putting the modeling together to, for AR, VR and all the, you know, Matterport scanning. And we're doing all these things before so that we truly have this test lab. So that's what I'm really excited about is to be actually using these tools and then in the future have them available to others to where you can come into these experience centers and have a 360 igloo where you don't have to put goggles on and the stuff that's clunky a bit, but being that true forward thinking place that uh, can take these resources and put them together. And, and then that's what the art of construction is helping these experience centers do. And we'll see where that goes, because I think there's, there's a business behind that of connecting those. Yep. That's truly open. And it's not, it's not saying you have to be Revit or Archicad or this or that. It's a true open experience center that everybody's welcome to bring their tools and learn from each other. And then is that what you are also excited about in the future? Or do you have another yeah, thing yeah, up so your that's, sleeves? That's, I, I the, always the, wonder the, if you the, have... The future is truly that, is to be the source to that it's not about it's only sponsored by this. Like, yeah, we have to make revenue on this. So the Deep Dive series is the different companies or one company that hires us to do a Deep Dive series would pay for that, but wouldn't be all about... It wouldn't be about sponsored by this. We wouldn't talk about that. How we talk about that is by building trust and to being a guide to build that trust from what what they're all about and more of a case study format than a product and pitch format. So would it just be um, one episode on one deep dive or would that be multiple? Well, the, and, and can yeah. you kind of give an example? It doesn't have to be someone you're in talks to, yeah, but so just a generic is, example. This would be a great one for your, because I know you're heavily involved like uh, with like the Entree Architect and all, a lot of these great platforms that I would love your platform's feedback to the art of construction. I've had, that's what's been fun is all of us podcasters having each other's on each other's shows. You were actually on my first deep dive series that we did about offsite construction that I actually interviewed you guys on and brought in a guest host and we're figuring out how that how to do that. But one of the ideas uh, that stem that I've been talking with different people that Ben from Bim Smith did a great presentation at Mark Mitchell's wizard summit I was at that he he brought it down to my level where I understood he started the first slide was saying what's this and it was a square and then he in the next slide showed the Revit model of the desk that you actually knew it was a desk instead of the yeah. top of this the and he's like, this is what building information modeling is. And I was like, you know, I, I get that. 
it, and it sounds like, wow, that's pretty basic. Yeah, it's as basic as you can, but that's what we're trying to do. And then it's like, well, I learn about all these BIM managers. Like, so BIM, it, so this is one of the titles of a deep dive series that would be BIM is not a product, it's part of the process. So then on the front end, you could talk about the different ARCHICAD, Revit, and then you can have the different Matterports or scanners or different things to take this BIM object in the middle of that to then what do you do with it you know, in an experience center, out in the job site, needing Wi-Fi connectivity with DeWalt or whatever. So these are all the companies I'm talking to to say there should be eight episodes that are each one hour with eight different companies, but at the end of it, you'd invest eight hours and it'd be every other Thursday, so it would take, but then at the end of it, hopefully, we're going on this journey together that we've connected the dots. That's yeah. the vision behind it. I think it's a great idea. I really look forward to it. Cool. Um, it could you give some advice to someone who's in a firm, doesn't matter if it's architecture construction, just someone working at, at a firm about what they can do to help, help themselves grow? Because you see people who thrive, who fail, who do a good job and don't, and either what have those people done or what has helped them? I, I, I look at it as the pedal and the brake syndrome. It's, it's like, it's too much. It's either someone's pedal to the metal all, they come in and like, we need to change your logo. We got to, they're just so gung ho. And then they just get them, they just wear everybody out. Or then there's the person that's just constantly on the brakes or sitting in the passenger seat, just waiting to check the box on that. And there's a time and a place to put the pedal down and there's a time and place to listen. So that's, and who are the influencers in that company is the key of connecting and it's all about relationships at the end of the day. Help me help you, because we're all trying to grow this thing together, especially in our construction world, because we, we need so much help, because we're all spread so thin. Yeah. Um, if, if someone was never gonna hear from you again, now this is for a, uh, someone that's gonna start a business, because you've started a business very successful, and you had to leave them with either a book, or a concept, or someone to model themselves off. This is Devin Tilly's, hey, you're starting something, go get this or understand this concept. And that has really helped me out and I think it'll help you out. What would you say to them? Yeah, N number one is go read the E-Myth Revisited. That's the first thing you have to do if you've never done anything about business or haven't read all these specifics because that's the best overview. And then you, nothing happens until you sell something. So then you gotta, you gotta read Versatile Selling, which is the old IBM principles. And so that book is going to teach you how to sell four different ways to four different people. And it's not about the product and pitch. It's about selling you and your team to align. So when you get the E-Myth Revisited and Versatile Selling from me reading those books, and I, I wish someone would have told me this and I just did it right away because I just did. And that's another important thing is it's better to go do and, and screw up good is good enough sometimes to get you going until you figure out where you're going to go. But then you got to hire someone that's opposite of you and you got to be smart enough to understand to say they're not you because you got to, you, you know, divide and conquer is, is where you're going to go and then get help. Like create an advisory council, of either join or start an advisory council. I advise people to start or really be running that of something that's like-minded and then create a personal board of directors because you're going to have to get help, money, resources at times so an advisory council is your business platform and your personal board of directors is yours and if you're married you better have that significant other on that board <laughs> very funny <laughs> um 
As we wrap up, anything you want to cover or leave people with? No, I did. The, the, I, I really just wanted to come out here and, uh, as a fan of you guys, wanted to say thanks to. I mean, it's it's really cool to see F this F nine F ten F eleven. I mean, it's just you guys keep going, and you need to hear that because it's, it's sometimes you're like, man, why do I? You know, us visionaries get these ideas, and sometimes you're like, is, am I doing the right thing? And you're doing the right thing. Like listening to you guys, it's just awesome to hear and see your story, and I can't wait to continue the collaboration. And, and that's how I look at our different podcast platform is how do we all best work together? And the art of construction is trying to be that BHAG or the big, hairy, audacious goal at the top is to truly align and connect the overarching art and construction. Yeah, awesome. So we're obviously a huge fan of you also. Uh, and I'm sure some of the listeners will be too. So tell them how to follow you, reach out to you, where to listen, all that. Yeah, so our producer, we do a lot of work on each show where we create a f- custom web page show notes. So if there's one that really dies in, but it all starts from the website of the, T-H-E, the AOC.us. That's the website, and they're on all the platforms and social media. I love LinkedIn. I love connecting and guiding, and that's where I'm at. So if people are interested on you know this deep dive series, we're looking to do a couple of those next year and trying to dial those in. And what are the best partners to help take our go-giver philosophy and put it to market. Awesome. Thanks, Devin. Thanks.